0: section thirty of the three lieutenants this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org the three lieutenants by william henry giles kingston chapter twenty three up the piranha murray's forebodings battle of punta obligado attacked by fire-ships schooner blows up jack and murray perform a gallant exploit murray wounded the batteries stormed tom and gerald carried off by gauchos hurrah my boy there is a prospect of more glorious or at all events more exciting work than slave-hunting exclaimed adair as he came on board the supplejack from the tudor both vessels then lying in rio harbor when where asked jack up the Parana, and immediately as far as i can make out murray has just received his orders and you will get yours before the day is many hours longer i conclude that small vessels are wanted for the work so you are certain to be sent has murray heard what we are to do when we get there asked jack yes to force our way up the river which a certain general Roses calling himself president of buenos ayres has taken it into his head no one shall do and so of course he will attempt to stop us who is the fellow i don't think i have ever heard of him before said jack nor did i till murray told me and as he reads everything he of course knew all about the matter you have an atlas just get it out and i will try and impart the information murray gave me the river parana you see runs a course of many miles nearly north and south before it runs into the river plata on the east side are the provinces of paraguay entre rios and banda oriental and on the west and south those of santa fe and buenos Aires, comprised under the general name of la plata general rosas wants to unite these provinces under one confederation and to make himself dictator or emperor another party calling themselves unitarios want to unite them into one state and have for this slight difference of opinion for several years done their best to knock each other on the head his troops having blockaded Montevideo and captured some french merchantmen the french have therefore sent a squadron to take satisfaction and open up the commerce of the river plata we are going to join them as the buenos arians have treated some of our merchantmen in the same way and rosa stares us to do our worst and declares that up to the river we shall not go by an old treaty it appears that the english and french governments having guaranteed the integrity of the banda oriental rosas was ordered to withdraw his troops from the territory and as he refused to do so his squadron besieging montevideo has been taken from him while the province of paraguay and that of Corrientes have combined to overthrow his power in revenge for this he has closed the outlets of their rivers so as to put an effectual stop to their foreign commerce the parana though it looks of no great size on the map is broad and deep and even large vessels may make their way some four or five hundred miles up it the french squadron and some english ships are already off montevideo and as soon as we and the other vessels join them we are to begin the ascent of the river here is montevideo on the northern shore of this wide river of la plata which however looks more like a huge gulf than what we call a river in europe and here some way up on the southern bank is buenos ayres there was a fearful ruffian called oribe who got the upper hand in some of these provinces and murdered all his opponents who fell into his power and he therefore got the appropriate name of the butcher don rosas with a devoted army of gauchos the wild horsemen of the pampas united with him and the two mild-mannered gentlemen together endeavored to get possession of montevideo but being defeated rosas has since wisely kept to his own side of the river besides the horsemen he has managed to get together a good supply of heavy guns and flying artillery with which he expects to send us to the right about and our business will be to show him that he is mistaken that is all i know of the matter and i hope i have made it as clear to your mind as murray did to mine jack duly received his orders and the next morning by daybreak the corvette and brig in company with a few other vessels sailed out of the harbor they had a quick run to montevideo where they fell in with the english and french squadron consisting of several steamers and sailing vessels soon after their arrival the ships were ordered to proceed up at once to Guasu, one of the mouths of the Parana. a heavy gale however coming on drove the ships back the midshipmen were of course as eager as any one for the fun as they called it which they expected to meet with and were much disappointed at the delay which occurred the steamers could have gone ahead without them but as there were only four in the whole squadron two english and two french such a force would not have been sufficient for the object day after day they had to beat backwards and forwards a strong westerly wind blowing in their teeth giving general rosa's time to complete his defences well there is one satisfaction exclaimed desmond if we had gone up at first we might have caught the enemy unprepared and lost all the honour and glory we shall now reap in thrashing him as to that considering that he and his followers are half savages as the commodore says i don't see that there is much honour and glory to be obtained observed tom faith now it seems to me that it does not much matter what kind of people the enemy are provided they have got arms in their hands and don't run away answered desmond these fellows fight fiercely enough among themselves and they are not likely to change when they have got foreign foes to deal with paddy was not far wrong after all at length the weather moderated the steamers got up their steam and the sailing vessels hauled their wind and stood for the westward they had proceeded some distance when down came another pampero upon them and they were once more disappointed still the work was to be done and the english and french commodores were not men to be beaten by a difficulty days and nights together the ships kept at it doing their uttermost to reach the rendezvous off the mouth of the river at length they all met and the flag of england flying from the peaks of some and that of france from others in friendly proximity with a fair breeze they commenced their ascent of the mighty stream as they watched the distant shore on either hand it was difficult to persuade themselves that they were at a considerable distance above the mouth of the river still on and on they sailed with their glasses they could occasionally see horsemen galloping along apparently watching them although no opposition was offered indeed they were generally too far out of the range of field-pieces even should the enemy have possessed any as the current was strong and the wind light it was slow work and often they did not make ten miles a day they had got about a hundred miles up when the commodore gave the signal for the squadron to anchor and they found that they were within three miles of a place called punta obligado on the right bank of the river where general rosas had thrown up some strong defenses to oppose their further progress all hands were in high spirits at the thoughts of the fight which they expected would take place the next morning murray and the more reflective officers could not help thinking that fighting was a serious matter and that if a report that they had heard was correct before another day was over many enjoying high health and spirits might be laid low jack who brought up close to the tudor came on board with tom to pay their friends a visit their chief regret was that higson was not there to take part in the expected achievements of the following day we never know what may happen to us when we go into battle said murray as jack sat with him in his cabin in case i should fall i must get you to take this packet to stella she is ever in my thoughts and i am anxious to make arrangements for her future comfort and support for i doubt that she is as well provided for as she supposes her father spent most of his fortune in the wild schemes in which he took part and careless as i heard he was about his own pecuniary affairs he probably neglected to make due provision for his daughter had she married me she would at all events have enjoyed a pension as my widow and as those who would otherwise obtain it can do very well without any addition to their incomes i have left all the property i possess to be enjoyed by her for her life and you jack must undertake to see that my intentions are carried out of course i will my dear murray answered jack but you must not suppose that you are to be knocked on the head i hold to the belief that no man knows beforehand what is to happen to him though of course when he goes into battle he may be killed but his thinking that he will or will not will make no difference it may be true answered murray with a sigh but there is something within me which says that i ought to be prepared of course and i hope you are my dear alick said jack gravely a truly religious man like you always is prepared and i suspect that the weather together with the fatigue you have gone through and your state of health have something to do with your forebodings if you won't think me frivolous let me ask you what you had for dinner yesterday murray at first did not answer at last faintly smiling he answered well perhaps you are right and i dare say to-morrow morning i shall see things in a different light however in case i should fall you will see my wishes carried out jack again promised that he would do anything and everything that murray wished terence joined them shortly afterwards and the old ship made spent a pleasant evening as did tom with his friends in the midshipman's berth they did not trouble themselves with forebodings of evil and all talked eagerly of the fun they hoped to see before long a sharp lookout was kept during the night the steamers had their fires banked up as it was thought probable that the enemy might have prepared fire-ships to send down among them as soon therefore as it was dark the boats were sent ahead to row guard and to tow them out of the way, so that they might drop down clear of the squadron the night however passed away without any occurrence of the sort and at daybreak the two commodores proceeded up the river in their gigs to reconnoitre the position of the enemy a dense fog which hung over the water enabled them to approach unobserved their return was anxiously waited for they quickly acquainted themselves with all they desired to know and immediately they got back the commanders of all the vessels were directed to repair on board the flagship to receive instructions they then learned that rosas had thrown up strong fortifications about three miles from where they then lay they consisted of four batteries two on heights sixty feet above the surface of the river and two in an intervening valley the batteries mounted altogether twenty-two guns some long thirty-two pounders and others of smaller caliber opposite the point was an island which occupied a considerable portion of the breadth of the river so that vessels going up must of necessity pass close to the batteries yet further to strengthen the position three heavy chains supported by twenty-four vessels extended across the river from the mainland to the island one end being defended by a man-of-war schooner mounting six guns while close to the chains ready to be let loose at any moment lay ten fire-ships a force of nearly four thousand men artillery cavalry and infantry was collected so the commodores learnt from their spies to man the forts and to oppose any force that might be sent on shore to attack them the sailing vessels were now formed in two divisions while the steamers formed a third to take up a position as soon as they had disposed of the fireships all on board the ships waited eagerly for the signal to weigh the hands had been piped to breakfast the meal was over still the fog prevailed suddenly a light breeze sprang up from the southward when the fog cleared and at a quarter to nine the signal was given for the leading division to weigh with eager alacrity the men sprang aloft to loose sails and in a few minutes the two divisions of sailing vessels were gliding up the stream the one to attack the northern and the other the southern batteries with directions to anchor about seven hundred yards from them with all sails set to stem the current they approached the batteries which immediately opened fire on the headmost vessels they returned the compliment with interest as soon as they could bring their guns to bear the thunder of the artillery breaking the silence which had hitherto reigned over the scene the loud roaring increasing as ship after ship got into action the wild gauchos fought their guns well and showered down on their assailants round shot grape canister shells and rockets which the ships returned with similar missiles french and english vying with each other as to who should load and fire their guns the fastest the roar of the guns the crashing of the shot as they struck the ships and the shouts of the men increasing every instant became perfectly deafening about an hour from the time the gallant little philomel got under fire the action became general several of the vessels were suffering severely on board the french commodore's brig especially the men were falling fast while numberless shots struck her between wind and water the effect of the terrific cannonading going on was to make the wind fall light and some of the ships therefore were unable to reach the exact stations assigned to them the consequence was that they were exposed more than would otherwise have been the case to the fire of the batteries murray had carried his vessel as close as he could and jack did not fail to follow his example round shot and grape came sweeping over their decks some of the missiles striking the hulls of the vessels others going through their sails and cutting up the rigging but the hotter the fire became the more the british seamen seemed to enjoy the fun tossing about their guns with right good will and sending shot after shot well aimed into the batteries i say this is pretty hot work archie observed desmond i wonder how long it is going to last i suppose till we drive the enemy from their guns and take possession of their fort unless they blow themselves up and finish the batteries in that way answered gordon but i say look there what are those craft about Archie, as he spoke pointed ahead where about a dozen vessels were seen bearing down on the squadron from the upper part of the river presently first one and then another burst into flames they are fire-ships cried desmond and if they come aboard they will blow us all into smithereens the steamers won't let them do that observed gordon see they are paddling towards them and will sink or tow them out of the way before they touch us i hope still the danger was imminent it was evident that the steamers could not take all of them in tow at once and while some were got hold of others might continue their course the commanders of the men-of-war made preparations for the reception of the fire-ships and got their boats ready to tow them away should they threaten to drift closer than was safe on came the burning masses the steamers had got hold of some of them that fellow will be down upon us before long sir said needham if we cannot manage to get her out of the way jack on this ordered a boat to be lowered needham followed by tom jumped into her and rapidly pulled for the fireship the difficulty was to secure the tow-rope while there was no time to be lost if the brig was to be saved many of the shot intended for the vessels came flying over the boat no one was hit in her however and needham managed to hook on the tow rope to her stern the crew gave way and aided by the current just got her clear of the brig when the flames rapidly increasing needham saw it was high time to cast off and get out of her neighborhood the crew had not given many strokes when up she blew and the fragments of her deck and bulwarks came rattling down over them for a moment it seemed that all in the boat must be destroyed jack who had anxiously cast his eyes in that direction as had also the two midshipmen of the corvette who were looking on thought that every one in the boat must perish jack regretted that he had allowed tom to go in her his anxiety however was soon relieved when he saw them emerging from the shower and returning to the brig the other fire-vessels passing clear of the squadron either drove on shore or went floating harmlessly down the broad stream till they blew up and sank the battle still continued raging as at first for the spaniards fought their guns with desperation and no sooner had one set of men been swept away than they were replaced by others a body of cavalry was also seen hovering about in the wood which backed the fort and when any of the artillerymen as some did could no longer stand it and took to flight they were driven back and compelled to fight till they were killed or wounded the action had continued with unmitigated fury for a couple of hours and there appeared no prospect of its cessation as long as the enemy's ammunition held out although the gunners were continually swept away fresh men as at first were driven up to take their places the number of casualties on board the squadron had greatly increased two or three officers and several men had already been killed and many wounded suddenly a still louder roar then the thunder of the guns was heard "hurrah there goes their magazine" cried desmond "no see the schooner guarding the chains has blown up" answered gordon pointing in the direction of the barrier placed across the river for a few seconds the enemy astounded by the occurrence ceased firing but the english gave them no respite and both parties immediately again set to work battering away at each other shot after shot struck the tudor but the crew kept up their fire with unabated vigor murray had forgotten all about his forebodings of the previous evening no sooner had the schooner blown up then he saw that the chain being left unprotected it might easily be cut through and the steamers would thus be able to pass up the stream and open a flanking fire on the fort the same idea had occurred to jack and he sent tom on board the commodore's ship offering to make the attempt murray had in the meantime sent archie gordon with a similar offer both being accepted they pulled away in their gigs towards the chains though several shot came flying by them and they were exposed to a hot fire of musketry they succeeded in reaching the chains had the schooner remained the attempt would have been hopeless as her guns with an ample crew had full command of the spot but the guns were at the bottom of the river and most of her crew had either been blown into the air or drowned still it was no easy matter to cut through heavy chains with cold iron axes and hammers murray and jack set to work and although bullets were whizzing over them and every now and then pattered against the boats they worked dauntlessly away there is one cut through at all events cried jack as he succeeded at length in severing one of the thick links murray had unshackled another the third however still remained they both worked away at it knowing that before it could be cut through the enemy might bring down some of their flying artillery and render their position still more dangerous besides which the sooner the ships could get up the more quickly would the victory be won a few more blows and we shall do it cried murray he was raising his arm to strike when he fell back into the hands of snatchblock who was assisting him go on jack he exclaimed don't mind me you will have it through in another minute jack though his heart felt very sad at the thoughts of murray being badly wounded or perhaps killed laboured away with all his might assisted by needham we will do it in a few minutes more cried jack bringing down his axe with tremendous force the chain was at length cut the boat's crews uttering a loud cheer at their success while the vessels which supported it swung to the current floating down towards the opposite bank give way now lads cried jack and the two boats proceeded as fast as the men could bend to their oars back to the boats jack saw murray lifted on board and carried below the surgeon expressed a hope that his wound was not dangerous though he had fainted from loss of blood jack had however to hasten on board the commodore's ship to report what had been done the steamers were immediately ordered to proceed up the river and flank the batteries jack's anxiety was increased by the knowledge that his ship was greatly exposed several of her people having fallen and the purser having been killed while assisting the surgeon below the french commodore's brig however was suffering much more severely a shot cutting her cable she dropped astern before another could be ranged with upwards of an hundred shot-holes through her sides ten or twelve of her people killed and forty or more wounded the french and english vessels were now ordered up to place themselves within musket-shot of the battery that they might assist the flanking fire of the steamers this they did in a most dashing way receiving a hot fire in return when one of the lieutenants of an english vessel was killed at length however the well-served guns of the squadron produced their effect the fire from the batteries began to slacken some of the guns being dismounted and the gunners driven from others the engagement had now lasted six hours at length only an occasional shot came from the shore but still the enemy's flag continued flying and the commodore made a signal for the boats of the squadron to rendezvous alongside his ship with marines and bluejackets prepared for landing to storm the batteries the ships were brought in as close as the water would allow to cover the landing the english forces consisting of an hundred and eighty bluejackets and one hundred and forty five marines were the first on shore here they quickly formed terence with two boats crews from the tudor were among them desmond had accompanied his uncle they were soon afterwards joined by bevan and tom with the men from the supplejack so we are to have some campaigning said tom i was afraid my brother would not let me come at first but he thought as i had escaped the round and grape-shot of the enemy which came rattling on board that i should not get into much harm on shore and i was very anxious to see the fun while the boats were disembarking the men destined for the attack the ships kept up a hot fire over their heads to prevent the enemy from rushing down to interrupt them i suppose the ships will cease firing when we storm the hill or they may chance to knock our heads off instead of the enemy said desmond no fear about that answered tom see they have knocked off already the commodore will give us the signal to advance before long depend on that on the crest of the hill a strong force was drawn up to oppose them without waiting for the french the word to advance was given and uttering three hearty british cheers the marines with fixed bayonets charged up the hill the bluejackets on their flank they were received with a hot fire of musketry but the gauchos brave as they were could not stand the bayonets of the marines as they saw them coming they took to flight on one side was a wood in which a body of the enemy were posted this was at once attacked by a light company of seamen and in a few minutes it was carried the french landing rushed up to the attack of the forts while the bluejackets pursued the flying enemy who now and then when they found themselves in sufficient force to make a stand turned round and fired at their pursuers bodies also of gauchos who had been hovering in the rear during the action came sweeping down endeavoring to cut off any of their assailants whom they might find unprepared to receive them terence accompanied by the two midshipmen and a small party of seamen carried away by their ardor after having assisted to clear the wood were considerably in advance of the main body the marines were at the same time in the act of charging a large body of the enemy who were again attempting to stand their ground hullo who are these fellows cried tom pointing in the direction in which he had seen a large body of the gauchos flourishing their long lances as they galloped fiercely forward they intend to try and cut us down and so they will if we don't drive them back with a warm volley cried terence Prepare to receive cavalry the seamen had been drilled to act as light infantry and being armed with muskets and bayonets were well able to use them on came the wild horsemen firing their carbines when with lances at rest they charged full down on the body of seamen several saddles were empty but not till they had got close up to the bayonets did they wheel round apparently with the intention of retreating believing that they were doing so the bluejackets rose from their knees and imperfectly disciplined as they were for fighting on shore without waiting for their officers orders rushed forward in pursuit of the apparently flying enemy tom and gerald carried away by their ardour took the lead and having only their swords in their hands got ahead of the rest at that moment the horsemen once more wheeling charged with desperate fury against the partly broken square the seamen however again rapidly forming fired a volley which prevented the gauchos from cutting their way through them two of the gauchos however as they came up threw their lassos over tom and gerald who were at that moment in the act of springing back to gain the protection of the bayonets and greatly to their horror and dismay they found themselves dragged up on the saddles of the horsemen who with their companions galloped off amid the showers of bullets which the jackets sent after them among the few who amid the smoke from the muskets and the confusion had seen the midshipmen spirited away was snatchblock we must get the young reefers back lads it won't do to lose them he shouted out and followed by a dozen of the supplejack's crew less accustomed to discipline than the rest he started off in pursuit terence seeing them going and not knowing the cause called them back but not hearing him they ran on hoping to overtake the fleet horsemen the gauchos discovering from the flight of their party in other directions that the day was lost continued their flight had they turned back they would probably have cut down the whole of their pursuers snatchblock compelled at length to return told adair what had happened rogers and my nephew carried off exclaimed adair how did you fellows come to allow that we couldn't help it sir indeed we couldn't answered snatchblock there isn't a man among us who wouldn't have given his own life rather than have let the young gentlemen be carried off by the savages to be killed and eaten for what we know but their horsemen came down upon us like lightning and spirited them off before any of us saw what they were about well well i am ready to believe that none of you could help it and i am sure snatchblock that you would have risked your life to save the youngster said adair his rising anger appeased they have themselves alone to blame we must now see what we can do to get them back for the gauchers will look upon them as prizes of too much value to kill and though they are savage enough from all accounts they are not addicted to eating men or boys either that's a comfort at all events for i couldn't tell what those wild chaps might do with the young gentleman. observed the honest sailor if we might go off in chase maybe we should come up with them before long with that cavalry we shall have no chance of overtaking the gauchos and i can only hope that they will not treat their prisoners ill the lads have their wits about them if they have the chance they will make their escape answered adair you may trust the young gentlemen for that sir said snatchblock the recall being sounded adair with his party was compelled to rejoin the main body indeed he saw too clearly that any attempt to rescue the youngsters would be useless the only task now to be accomplished by the seamen and marines was to spike the guns and destroy the batteries which being quickly accomplished they re-embarked the crews of the vessels which had been most severely treated had work enough to do in stopping shot-holes and refitting the rigging which had been considerably cut up adair on his return having to pass close to the supplejack went on board to tell rogers of the unfortunate loss of the two midshipmen and to offer him all the consolation he could i would rather that anything had happened than that exclaimed jack you don't suppose that the gauchos have killed the poor lads adair said he hoped from what he had heard that they had not injured them and probably supposed that they had made a valuable prize in a couple of officers they questioned snatchblock further as to what he knew of the affair i would have given my right hand rather than have had the young gentleman carried off sir he answered you see sir we did not expect those horse fellows would attack us on that side and we were not standing in shipshape fashion like the sodgers somehow or other also the young gentleman were where they should not have been i'll allow and just then down the gauchos pounced upon us and all in a moment before we could sing out a couple of them whipped their lassos over the lad's shoulders and hoisted them up on their saddles you may be sure sir we made all sail after them as fast as we could carry on but it was all of no use the horses four legs were better than our two and we were afraid of firing for fear of hitting the young gentlemen maybe the fellows carried them off to save their own hides poor jack felt very unhappy and at once pulled off to the commodore to consult him and some of the other captains as to what was best to be done it is only to be hoped that rosas will not treat them as he is said to have treated some of his prisoners and cut off their ears was the remark made when jack told his story of course every effort must be made to recover the youngsters and as soon as we can hold any communication with rosas we will send to demand their release and will offer to exchange any of his followers who may fall into our hands for them in the meantime such private means as are available must be employed and you and mr adair shall have every possible opportunity given you of carrying them out we will think over the matter and decide what steps under the circumstances it is best to take the general however has shown no inclination whatever to come to terms and notwithstanding his defeat it is evident that he intends to fight out the quarrel to the bitter end this was poor consolation to jack and terence who felt more cut up than they had ever been in their lives jack had not however forgot murray and as soon as duty would allow him he went on board the tudor he found his old friend able to sit up at table in his cabin though looking pale and ill from loss of blood and certainly more fit to be in his cot you see jack that my forebodings are partly realized he said as his old shipmate entered at all events had the bullet struck me the sixteenth of an inch on either side my wound would have been fatal i am afraid from what the doctor says that it may be some time before i am fit for active duty and he advises me to apply to be superseded and to go home jack of course hoped that the doctor was wrong and that murray would be able to remain out till the affair on which they had been sent had been brought to a satisfactory issue but you look unusually grave rogers has anything happened jack told him all about tom and gerald's loss murray of course heartily sympathized with him and expressed his fears as his other friends had done that it would be a hard matter to get the youngsters back he suggested however that jack should try and get hold of some natives who might communicate with them and perhaps assist them to escape the suggestion gave him some consolation as offering a means of of recovering the lads don't be cramped in your efforts for want of money said murray bribery with these fellows would go a long way and you know that my purse is always at your service and never more so than on this occasion I know it, Alec answered Jack. Depend on it. If I can fall in with any natives, I will try what bribery can do with them, and if my own means are insufficient, I will come to you. End of section thirty.